all the noir you can handle each week on Thriller Thursdays with Rich Froelich. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Once again, Decoder Ring Theater presents another page from the casebook of that master of mystery, that sultan of sleuthing, Martin Bracknell's immortal detective, Black Jack Justice, starring Christopher Mott as Jack and Andrea Lyons as Trixie Dixon, girl detective. The name's Dixon. Trixie Dixon, girl detective. There are things in this life that just get a bad rap, my friends, and sometimes it does not hurt us to wonder why and how that came to be, and if it isn't at least partly Jack's fault. Take good intentions, if you will. It has been remarked by many in the sort of wise old saws that my partner favors in his moments of narrative introspection that the road to hell is, in fact, paved with them. And leaving aside for the moment the fact that this is tremendously impractical, one can see the point that's being made. More often than not, people mean well. I'm sorry if that seems dewy-eyed or innocent. I think that we know one another well enough for you to be certain that I am neither of those. But it's true. The criminal class is notwithstanding, very few people actively set out with an intention to do what is wrong. More often than not, they expend considerable time and energy persuading themselves that what they really, really want to do is not, in fact, really all that wrong at all, but is only fair and right and just and everyone else can just suck it up. And perhaps that is the source of the smears against the name of good intentions, our ridiculously low standards for same. But there is a certain truth to the argument that meaning well is not a defense when it all goes horribly, horribly awry. And that extends to detective work as well. We had meant well when we had taken the job that Mrs. Sandra Walsh of 138 Summers Lane had offered. She was several stages of paranoia beyond suspicious of Mr. Douglas Walsh, also of the same address, and wanted him followed day and night with logs and photographs intended to support an eventual divorce proceeding. We meant well when we took the job. After all, if Mr. Douglas Walsh of 138 Summers Lane were a cheating swine, surely his just desserts would be applied courtesy of information gathered in our investigations. And the payment for said job would allow the square-jawed one and myself to pay any number of bills and other obligations and generally be a pair of responsible adults running a small business. Good intentions. And when the days ran into weeks and still there was no sign of infidelity or other shenanigans on the part of Mr. Douglas Walsh of 138 Summers Lane, we advised his wife, our client, of the same. Several times. At some length. We did our best not to take her money on a fool's errand, but she was going to pay somebody to do this, and it might as well be us. After all, the next detective might pad his expenses even more outrageously than we were. Good intentions. And when the tan Chevrolet pulled out of the garage at 138 Summers Lane that morning with Mr. Douglas Walsh behind the wheel, we had done the only reasonable thing. We had followed, as we had for longer than either of us cared to remember. It was our job, and we had the very best of intentions to do it well. But as the tan Chevrolet began its third hour on the highway north of the city, headed in the direction of the wide-open spaces beyond, it began to occur to us that Mr. Douglas Walsh did not live at 138 Summers Lane anymore, and that we were on a long, long road going nowhere good. This is not good. Will you shut up? 
Why, are we going to attract attention to ourselves? You think we're sneaking up on somebody? We're six lengths back in a 1939 Studebaker for Pete's sake. You misunderstand me. Hardly ever. I am not afraid that you will give away our position. I am concerned that you are going to spend the entire day moaning like a whingy little baby, and I wish for you to shut up. Ah, that's probably not going to happen. Which part? Either part. Ah, the second part. I am not whining. I didn't say whining. I said whinging. There's a difference. Is there? No. We are not equipped for a daring cross-country chase. Are you saying that because the car we have elected to drive today is made mostly from rust, or because it looks very much like Hitler might have died in it? The car is fine. Possibly from carbon monoxide poisoning. What is that smell, anyway? The car is fine. Also, is it possible that the engine is just a family of raccoons? Or is that just my imagination? I keep telling you the car is fine. And I keep ignoring you, yet you never seem to take any sort of hint. Why is that? It's my nature. It is, isn't it? We are not equipped for this task, is my point. If the car were fine, which it is not, but you insist that it is, so obviously that is not the source of your whinging or your whining. I am not doing either of those things. Shut up, whingy baby. Grown-ups are talking. If the car were fine, what else could you possibly be talking about? We're armed. You are armed, aren't you? I'm always armed. Well, obviously that is not true, which is what prompted the question. Why is that not true? I've been armed since we met. You don't wear a gun to bed, do you? There's no holster sewn into your jammies. I don't wear jammies. I did not need to know that. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Suffice to say, yes, I am armed. So we have transportation and firearms. How are we not equipped for any contingency? You're the all-American girl, Trixie. You're darn right that I am. I ought to be. Imagine where this country would be if that were true. We could replace E Pluribus Unum with buy me a drink, sailor. It's probably true, but you still shouldn't say it. My point is that this is not what we expected to happen today. Mr. Douglas Walsh was supposed to leave 138 Summers Lane for his office in the city, where he would work quietly, take an unassuming lunch period, possibly work late, and return to his increasingly former address, leaving a swath of unmolested secretaries and other unrealized carnal opportunities in his wake. Don't start talking about carnal opportunities. You'll get my motor running, and I'm in something of a vast desert just now. This was a nice, quiet little job that looked like it was finally starting to wind down. Weeks and weeks of nothing happening. And now we're paying for that. The universe is balancing our account. The universe could have tipped us off slightly. I could have packed better. Packed what? For the love of St. Barnabas. Barnabas? Is that what you're whinging about? I'm not whinging or whining. I'm not. We're trapped in a car going who knows where for who knows how long for who knows what purpose. And St. Barnabas is a completely random illusion, by the way. I don't want to talk about stupid St. Barnabas. Then evidently you are not Kyprian Orthodox. Don't change the subject. I would be hard-pressed to tell you exactly what the subject was right now, much less change it. We are about to cross the state line on our way to who knows where, and you're concerned about our lack of available coffee. I was anticipating tracking our quarry in an urban environment, with suitable refilling stations scatteredly conveniently for our needs. You have a problem. I have several, and you are chief amongst them. True or false, there are at least two thermoses of your own special blend in the car right now. True. There are also, at most, two thermoses. Jack, shut up about the stupid coffee already. Our client, Mrs. Sandra Walsh of 138 Summers Lane, is clearly being left in dramatic fashion. And if the mister is leaving like this, it seems unlikely that he has allowed for the division of assets or potential for court-ordered spousal support. That would seem to be his goal. And it is therefore our obligation to foil his little caper, that he might be properly served with proper papers and go to a proper jail if he tries to stunt like this again. I wasn't suggesting that we turn around. I was just... Whinging! Yes, 
I was just whinging. Excellent choice. He's taking the left fork. I see him. Don't lose him. I'm not going to lose you him. You don't want to be in this lane. I don't want to be in this car. And as of right now, I officially don't want to be in this state. I am in the wrong state entirely. Since I met you, yes. If you lose him, I will strangle you. You do have unusually large hands for a woman. Shut up. I, I do not. And shut up. Now it's raining. Excellent. They're not large. Are they? No. I'm sorry I said that. I mean, they're not mannish or anything. But not as sorry as I am clearly going to be. Look, I don't mean to return the conversation to something approaching the subject at hand, but we're going to need gas at some point. And by at some point, I mean soon. I mean, the tank was full this morning. It isn't exactly dire, but if we come across the station, I'm going to stop is all. The highway's pretty straight through here, and he doesn't have his foot down. I'm sure we can catch up. I seem to be working a solo here. They're not really large, are they? Oh, for the love of St. Jude. Well, I think they look fine. You see what I did there? St. Jude, desperate causes. Not a direct correlation, I admit. I think that somebody would have mentioned them if they were strange. As far as I know, there are no patron saints of manicurists, glove makers, or freakishly large hands. Freakishly? I didn't say freakishly, I said unusually. You said freakishly just now, I heard you. In relation to saints, not in relation to you. I know what you meant. You obviously don't. Just let me out of this car. We're in the middle of nowhere and we're in pursuit. I don't care, let me out. Sure, we're only going 40, try to roll with it. You really know how to push my buttons. Well, that's obviously not true, because if I knew that you were sensitive about your hands, I'd have used this years ago. I am not sensitive about my hands. There is nothing wrong with them. No. They're tiny and delicate, like a porcelain doll. Really? No, not really! Trixie, I have seen you open beer bottles with your bare hands. Don't be stupid. I've seen it! I don't really do that, idiot. I palm an opener when nobody's looking. I've been pulling that trick since I was 18. In God's name, why? For attention, stupid. When all of the boys are looking at you, you get to pick the best one. But you wouldn't know that. Why would I want to know that? Shut up, you know what I mean. Hardly ever. It works with girls, too. I picked the best girl. The best girl picked me back. A hiccup in the universe. An act of mercy on the part of a benevolent creator who had heaped so much misery on you and your poor, benighted face. Yeah, well, I don't believe in any of that anymore. Well, he believes in you, you lucky boy. I think he's slowing down. Who, God? No, idiot Walsh. Ah, you're only saying that because he's slowing down. Don't get too close. Really? Is that what you're saying? That when engaged in covert surveillance, I should try not to rear-end the subject? What is he doing? Hosanna, we're saved. He's pulling in for gas. We shouldn't gas up at the same time. To him, we're just a bickering couple headed the same direction he is. Don't draw undue attention to yourself, and he won't even notice. I draw undue attention to myself by breathing or walking. Or uncorking wine bottles with your teeth for show. Shut up, I do not! Except that one time. How did you know about that? I didn't, that was a guess. Listen, get on the payphone and call our client. When she hears where we are, she may know exactly where we're going. And then we wouldn't have to go there. In a nutshell. It's one of those rare, good plans. Thank you. I've got an even better one. I call the client while you use the ladies' room? Yes. Thank goodness for the full-service station. Fill her up, please. Chin up, square jaw. This'll be all over soon. I should really stop saying things like that. I mean, logically, I know that the forces that govern the universe are not really offended by my hubris, and that the next ten hours of driving were really not my fault. Except I really need to stop saying things like that, because the next ten hours of driving were entirely my fault, and both of us knew it. 
If there was a single saving grace, it was that Mr. Douglas Walsh was too intent on his escape to notice us. Or maybe he just never imagined that there could possibly be someone on his tail. He was an architect, for Pete's sake. They simply did not get tailed for hours and hours and hours, driving in random directions along our nation's highways. Oh, and about that, our client, Mrs. Sandra Walsh of 138 Summers Lane, had no idea where her husband Douglas was going, and she was just a few degrees shy of hysterical. We called her twice with updates while refueling, during which span she ascertained that most of the mister's clothes were gone and their second-best luggage. There were lawyers circling 138 Summers Lane, and they were almost insistent that we not lose sight of the retreating form of Mr. Walsh, who must have surely thought that he had already escaped. More importantly, there was a $1,000 payday promised if we kept up the chase and did not lose him. That made our cross-country caper the responsible thing to do. Good intentions again. But night was falling, and unlike the Pinkertons, we did, in fact, wish to sleep. How is he still driving? Where is he still driving? Why is he still driving? Shut up. I mean it. So do I. How many thermoses do you think he packed? Jack, shut up about the stupid coffee. I mean, if I was opening a business on a busy highway... Jack, shut up about the stupid coffee. If I was running such a business, do you know what I would sell? Excellent coffee and maybe some espresso. I would sell excellent coffee and maybe some espresso. Jack, shut up about the stupid coffee. I mean, that last place... Why would they serve that sludge? What were they thinking? Maybe they were thinking that you're on the highway going somewhere far away and that they shouldn't knock themselves out for your repeat business. Also, Jack, shut up about the stupid coffee. Is he going to drive all night? If he drives all night, we're going to end up dead in a ditch in some state that I know not what it is. It's Nevada. Really? No, not really, idiot. It's pouring rain. What do you think the odds are that we're in Nevada? It rains in Nevada. Aside from the fact that I am almost certain that is not true, how can you not know where we are? All I need to know is our approximate distance from the taillights we have been following all damn day. You want me to drive again? Not yet. It would give me something to do. And it would give me nothing at all to do. You could fiddle with the radio. The radio hasn't worked in three years. Then it should be relaxing for you. Why are we slowing down? Because our quarry is slowing down. I think he's pulling into that motel. Shiva is merciful. Pulling a lot on the other side of the road. Yes, ma'am. I see you've switched your casual allusions to Hindu. Beats being corrected on my metaphors every five minutes. Yes, except Shiva is not particularly merciful. Shiva is the destroyer. Brahma and Vishnu are merciful. Thank you. And shut up. I will. Is he checking in? Please tell me he's checking in. It looks like he's checking in. Let's let him get settled, then I'll pull in and we'll get a room. Why are we getting... A room, oh extremely optimistic and misguided one. Shut up. And also you. Ah, touche. We'll sleep in shifts. This would be a real stupid place to lose him. I'll park the car over here and watch. You get some shut-eye and come back in four hours. There's a payphone. You gonna call the client? No, I'm gonna call my wife and tell her that I'm in a rainstorm, possibly in Nevada, and not sleeping at all. Don't be so dramatic. I'll be back in four hours. You better be. I will. Big baby. You are listening to Blackjack Justice from DecoderRingTheater.com. Good morning. What in the... You were sleeping. What in the hell? You were sleeping. He could have pulled right out past you and got away. Trixie? I was feeling guilty, but now I'm not because you, my friend, were sleeping. 
It's light out. Yes, that is because it is 6.15 in the morning. You left me in the car all night? And you obviously didn't notice because you were sleeping. You left me sitting up in the car in the cold all night. Where you obviously slept like a baby. A big, whingy baby. What in the hell happened to four hours? You got me. Trixie! Don't Trixie me! There are clearly two possibilities. Either I never got my wake-up call, or I ignored my wake-up call and kept sleeping. You sure that's it? They didn't send some burly groundskeeper over to knock on the door? Someone you found it worth sacrificing the structural integrity of my spine to entertain? In no particular order. No, they did not. I wouldn't do that. And why on earth would that take five hours? I'm not a rabbit! I have signed affidavits that say otherwise. Tell me more about the burly groundskeeper. Are his hands rough and strong? And almost as large as yours. I hate you! And I hate myself for walking right into that, but mostly I hate you! This is going to be a long day. I'm going to go splash some water on my face. No, you aren't. I've already checked out. In God's name, why? Because I was in the room next to Douglas Walsh. He woke me up getting ready. He'll be along any minute. Start the car! No. No, forget it. I am not doing this. Here. I bought you this. What is this? What do you mean? It's coffee. No, it isn't. Don't be stupid. It was brewing in the motel office. Of course it's coffee. I can see right through it. Jack, shut up about the stupid coffee. This is not coffee. This is brown tap water. Jack, shut up about the stupid brown tap water. I'm not drinking this. I actually don't care. You left me in the car. So you would have something else to whinge about all day. Yes, I did that. Look. There's nothing to eat here. There's a place called Nana's five minutes down the road. The boy behind the desk says that everybody headed west eats breakfast there. West? This is west? It is Magellan. And Douglas Walsh is bound to stop there and we can get something to eat and some proper coffee. Great. He can meet us there. What are you doing? In no particular order, I am getting coffee, I am getting breakfast, and I am getting out of this stupid car. Actually, wait. That is the order. That is the precise order of what I am doing. No, it isn't. You'll have to get out of the car first. My order was by priority, not purely chronological. What if Walsh doesn't stop at Nana's? Then we'd have lost him anyway when he drove on and I pulled in. This is a really stupid time to lose a guy we've tailed halfway across the country to say nothing of a thousand bucks. Isn't it just, though? Did you ask the boy behind the desk where to eat? No, he just kind of volunteered it. Just like he does to everyone who comes through? It's probably his Nana's place. He'll get Douglas Walsh thinking about waffles and bacon, and he'll stop right enough. And if he doesn't? Then waffles and bacon shall be our consolation. I can live with that. But of course, Douglas Walsh did stop at Nana's. It was almost impossible not to. It was one of those places that a highway traveler dreams of. Not fancy, not healthy, just perfect. Even the sausage came with a side of bacon... And there was abundant, free-flowing coffee of the sort that shut Jack up and almost made him crack a smile for the first time since Mr. Douglas Walsh first bid adieu to 138 Summers Lane and the matrimonial obligations within. It seemed to be the operational goal of the establishment to lull its guests into a sort of low-grade food coma from which they would rest up in a comfortable booth before feeling guilty about their long stay and ordering pie. We skipped this part of the process and ordered pie with our eggs, so as not to be caught out by our client's soon-to-be ex-husband. In fact, the entire operation began to seem graceful by our admittedly low standards as Walsh entered 17 and a half minutes after us. If he had noticed us at all over the previous day's marathon, surely his suspicions would vanish at the sight of us being here before him. But he took no note of us as he sat quietly and picked at his food like a man who wasn't going to need fuel to drive all day. 
We lingered as long as seemed reasonable and retired to the parking lot to await our prey. Here he comes. Finally. He took a sweet time. That he did. What is that? What does it look like? It looks like a pie in a takeout box. That is because it is a pie in a takeout box. I even had them slice it. I should have known you were up to something when you actually went up to pay the check. I thought you were getting your thermoses refilled. Have we met? Of course I was getting my thermoses refilled. Is it just me, or does it seem like that should be a metaphor for something filthy? Yeah, there's probably something there. Try not to think about it. Why not? Because you'll get into one of your lurid daydreams, crash the car, and kill us both. Or worse, just me. I don't have lurid daydreams. Trixie. Okay, yes I do. And you know what? No. Shut up and drive. Is this what we're going to do all day? We're eating cherry pie with our bare hands and exchanging no coward-esque bon mots? I don't know what you're doing, but that's certainly what I'm doing. And the pie is not cherry. What is it? It is sweet potato pie. Okay, give me some of that. That's the spirit. Careful. Oh. Oh, that is good. Isn't it, though? I've had lurid daydreams that can't compete with this. Imaginary boys are no match for pie? Pie cannot compete with the ones I can imagine. But it knocks the socks off the real ones that I remember. On behalf of 62% of the males of my acquaintance, let me just say, ouch. I don't think I like what you're implying. Trixie. Don't Trixie me. Just because I am not bound by the conventional morality that domesticated you... Trixie! I am trying to make a point here. So am I! Well, what's yours? Walsh just pulled over. We passed him half a tirade ago. What was he doing? Just sitting there, on the shoulder. What do we do? I'll pull in the side road. Okay. I don't think you can see the car. Great work, Kimasabe. Except we can't see him either. So we hike back and take a peek. What about my pie? Shut up about... Stupid pie. Don't you ever say that about pie again. This would be a real stupid time to lose him. Any time after hour one would be a real stupid time to lose him. And you didn't care that much back at the motel. I wasn't at the motel. I slept in the car, remember? Instead of keeping watch. Yes, I remember that you're stupid. I think I can see him. He's still just sitting there. Think he ran out of gas? I do not. There's no way my car gets better mileage than his. Think there's something wrong with his car? Then why hasn't he got out of the car to lift the hood and poke ineffectually at the engine, wishing he had paid attention in auto shop? He's moving. Let's get back in the car. Wait. He's making a U-turn. Back to the car. Well, yes. Think he left something at Nana's? What else could it be? It's got to look strange if we follow him back. Does it really matter if he makes us at this point? Sooner or later, he's going to have to land on his new perch. And we'll be right there to see him served with papers. Poor sap. Maybe he's better off. Explain. We've been following him for weeks, and this is the first wrong thing he's done. As first missteps go, it's a doozy. Granted. But if our client is that jealous with no reason, maybe he's better off. And maybe he doesn't think so. What are you saying? Welcome to the first day of your brand new life. Wake up in a cheap motel, breakfast in a roadside diner, back on the road again. You think he's chickening out? I prefer to think that he's realized that he still loves our client, Mrs. Sandra Walsh of 138 Summers Lane. Aw, oh, nuts. What? I think I did the pine injury getting back in the car. Did it live? It lived, but it's ugly. Excellent. We can call it Jack Jr. Shut up. And so we tailed Douglas Walsh all that day and into the night, just the three of us. At least until Jack Jr. had been completely eaten, which was only a couple of hours later, really. 
But when it seemed well and truly obvious that he was bound back to 138 Summers Lane, we gave the client a heads up so she could call off the war party of lawyers and have the place cleared out for the touching reconciliation scene that we had done very little to bring about. So little, in fact, that it took us nearly a month to collect our thousand dollars, until we threatened to send the bill to Mr. Walsh at the office, but that doesn't matter, does it? What matters is that Mr. Walsh had driven down the road to hell, and along the way the good intentions had piled up so high on his narrow little shoulders that he had done the right thing. Eventually. Which isn't that bad, girls, and if you don't believe me, you can ask around. Black Jack Justice, episode 64, The Road to Hell, was written and directed by Greg Taylor and starred Christopher Mott and Andrea Lyons. This recording and the story, characters, and situations depicted within are the property of their author and creator and protected by copyright. Until next time, remember, DecoderRingTheater.com is your address to adventure. Sweet Sue has been tied to the railroad tracks. Will our heroes save her? Well, of course, the hero always prevails on Thriller Thursdays. I'm John Bell, the hero that rarely prevails in Bells in the Bat Free, the comedy show you can hear every Friday Follies and a bunch of Sunday showcases. Oops, looks like the hero may have been a tad late there.